LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. Why would we not pray inspired words of God? This is one way that I know I'm praying God's will because I'm praying God's word. And a lot of times what we're doing is really not praying. What we're doing is superstition to try to manipulate God to do what we want him to do as though he needs our help. Well, welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chandler Vinoy, here as always with my co-host, Mike Kelsey. How's it going, Mike? Going well, man. Uh, I'm excited. We got a guy uh, on the podcast today that I can genuinely say has been a mentor from afar Mm. Uh, in his preaching and his leadership and his writing. We got uh, Derwin Gray, who has been on the podcast before. Uh, but for those of you that may not be familiar with him, he's the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational mission-shaped community just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. He's written several books, including The Good Life, and now his new book, God Do You Hear Me, which is about prayer. And that's what we're gonna focus on today. Pastor Derwin, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, it's such an honor to be with you guys and to be a, a, a repeat guest. And um, our team here at Transformation Church loves working with Lifeway and we love working with you guys. So your your work is uh, intrinsic to what we do here at Transformation Church. And I know so many other churches can uh, can validate that as well. So I deeply appreciate your ministry. And uh, I appreciate how young y'all look. I mean, it's just inspiring. <laughs> y'all, y'all looking good. Notice he said how young we look, <laughs> not how long we are. I'll oh, that's it. great. Yes, that's great. Sir. You know, Derwin, when we, when we had you on last time, we talked about uh, your story. Uh, I think I brought up the first time I had actually seen you. I didn't even know uh, it was you because it was the uh, evangelism linebacker. <laughs> and we talked about that for a while, which is, yeah. if, once again, if you have not seen it, you're going to want to go look it up. It's incredible. That's classic. Yeah. But on top of that, we talked about, you know, your just whole story. You, you, you were in the NFL, then became a pastor and all of that. But I was thinking this past weekend as we were, uh, we had this interview coming up. I'm in Nashville. I'm a big Titans fan. Yeah. We played the Colts this past weekend. Yeah. As a former player for the Colts, well, who, where does your fanhood, you know, I know you also played for the Panthers as well. You live in Charlotte. So do you, do you still like root for the Colts? Do you root for the Panthers or what does that look like for you? What does fanhood for a former a NFL setup. player look setup. like? It's not a fair question. Yeah, no, it, it actually, you know, so every re, re, former NFL player is different. So um, the only two teams I go for is my high school team, Converse Judson, mm. and my college team, Brigham Young University. Mm. When I watch NFL games, whether it's the Panthers or the Colts, I don't really have uh, – I don't I don't watch games to determine who's going to win. So if you were to watch a football game with me, my mind already goes into player mode. So I'm looking mm-hmm. at personnel packages down a distance in the first quarter. I'm looking at the chess match that the defensive coordinators plan, what the offensive coordinators plan, what the special teams coaches plan. And, and so when you see Tony Romo calling out plays before they have before they take place. That's kind of normal for NFL players is we call Mm -hmm. the plays before they happen because we've seen them based on personnel and packages. So I look at the chess match of the game, but then I also really enjoy 
When a professional athlete is playing at maximum competitive capacity. Mm. So like when you see Derrick Henry, like break 18 tackles, mm. stiff oh, yeah. guy into the earth, but then at <laughs> 250 pounds, he outruns defensive oh, yeah. backs who are 60 pounds lighter. Or when you watch an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or, you know, the Titans quarterback, right? Um, what's his name? Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill. You know, Ryan Tannehill was a wide receiver in college. Yep. And then he goes to Miami, doesn't work, work out as well. But then he comes to the Titans and he's finding his space. So those are the things that I look forward to. So kind of what I say is this, the Panthers nor the Colts are writing me checks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm thankful to be alumni of both teams and yeah. I'll go to events and celebrate the team. But I don't have emotional capacity to get worked up for a game that I don't have any bearing in it. <laughs> we need, it sounds like we need to get you on with Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football as a guest and have you analyze the game just like they do. So oh, I would love to. So let, me, so let me tell you an Eli Manning story. Oh, let's go for it. Oh, yeah, great. We years want it. and years ago, this is like 2009. So Eli, Super Bowl winning quarterback, I'm doing the chapel for the Giants when they're playing the Panthers. So after I'm done, Eli walks up to me and he goes, uh, Hi. Uh, my name is Eli. Did you play with my br brother Peyton? So I'm like, bro, everybody knows you're Eli. <laughs> but it just shows you the level of humility. Mm. He didn't assume mm. that I knew he was a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And yeah. that's a valuable lesson. And as we talk about leadership, right? Leadership is not telling people what to do. Leadership is embodying what you want others to become. Hmm. And so you wait, have wait, wait. You got you to say that again, Pastor Darwin. OK, you got to drop that. Yeah, one. That's a gem. Yeah. Leadership is not telling others what to do. Hmm. Leadership is becoming what you want others to be. Hmm. And so Eli, in that moment, showed incredible leadership. Super Bowl winning quarterback. And he says, uh, hey, uh, my name is Eli, as though I didn't know. <laughs> and so I think Jesus's words really shaped what I just said is he tells his disciples when they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Yeah. He says this. He says, um, don't lord it over like the Gentiles do. Yeah. So in that historical context, he's talking about the way the Romans led. The Romans led with domineering. Uh, humility was not a Roman or Greek virtue. And so Jesus is saying, you know what? Let me show you what leadership is. Mm. I'm going to wash your feet. And even the feet of Judas, I'm going to wash. Mm. And mm. so we need to have a reformation in Christian leadership, which is back to the leadership of Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Man. Well, that's that's already gold right there. We could just wrap up the podcast and be good. But today we want to have you on. You you just came out with your new book, God, Do You Hear Me?, which is all about prayer. And we'll get in more to the book. Mm -hmm. But as as we were talking about, um, you know, this conversation was in leadership, which is as as much as we love talking about it on this podcast. One of the one of the phrases that stuck with me during our first interview with you, uh, you said in the New Testament, the word leadership is used three times and the word disciple is used 269 times. Mm -hmm. Why don't we talk about discipleship more? 
Mm. And we said, hey, let's have Derwin on so we can talk more about discipleship, <laughs> specifically about prayer, because it does seem an often neglected mm. thing in leadership. Um, so as we jump into this conversation, we just want to start out by asking why must leaders actually first start by thinking as it, themselves as a disciple first and foremost, rather than a leader? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a beautiful question. And it is so packed with hope for us. Mm. So let's think about, about this, right? Um, Jesus is the ultimate leader. Uh, Jesus led by example. He led with wisdom. He is the ultimate leader of what a servant leader is. He is the poster child of leadership. And Luke chapter 11, verse one says this, and Jesus was praying in a certain place and his disciples saw him and asked him, Lord, will you teach us to pray the way John the Baptist disciples pray? So let me take a step back. Right. So, number one, Jesus in his humanity, the, the kenosis, Jesus was always eternally God, the son. But in his humanity, he didn't walk in his God prerogative. He walked as the second Adam, the true Israel, the true human being who walked in fellowship with the spirit's power. And so Jesus, the greatest leader of all. Prayed. Mm. Prayer was not a. Um, a second thought for Jesus. It was an automatic refl reflex of his soul. Mm. Prayer is is a posture of our hearts to the divine presence of God in everything. I'm praying right now as we speak. Praying is not just talking. Praying is not just asking for stuff. Prayer is a disposition of the soul that we're open to intimacy with the Father. Intimacy in, to, me, you, see. Hmm. The hmm. Lord's prayer that Jesus commands his disciples to pray is a framework. Better yet, it's a window that allows us to look inside the home and to see who our father is. So when you look at the Lord's prayer, think about, about this. It starts with our father in heaven. So mm -hmm. it starts with this term of intimacy towards the ultimate leader, that God, the father is the ultimate leader, but he's a good dad. Yeah. And often what we do, and this is so important, leaders, and I'm speaking to myself, is we often live out of our family of origin wounding than our new family of origin in our father. Mm. So a lot of times, if you see leaders that are insecure, if you see leaders that are dogmatic, if you see leaders that are deceptive, if you see leaders that are toxic, a lot of them haven't learned to allow God the Father to reparent them. Mm. Sanctification, the process of growing and the process of praying to our father saying, Father, will you reparent me? Mm. Listen, no matter how good of a dad I am, my kids are going to have issues because of me. And mm. so the best thing I can do as a father is to be a repentant father and to point them to the heavenly father. So when you look at the Lord's Prayer, intimacy into me, you see, you actually see the life of Jesus through the Lord's prayer. Jesus is the ultimate leader. Jesus is the ultimate disciple. Hmm. And who had a better love relationship with his father than Jesus? Nobody. Uh, honor your name is holy. What does that mean? It means this. There are so many false gods who are trying to woo us and seduce us from God, the father. Hmm. To honor his name as holy is like this ring. 
I'm set apart. Like when I wear this ring, this means my allegiance is to Vicky. So when we pray, honor your name is holy. What we're saying is, Lord, in light of your love in Christ through the spirit, I only have eyes for you. My allegiance is to you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is Jesus. Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And he came to show us what the kingdom looks like in human flesh. So let me flesh this out. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus breaking down ethnic barriers when he goes into Samaria. 700 year ethnic feud between Jews and Samaritans. Jesus breaks that down. When Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman, he breaks down the gender wall. He breaks down the misogynistic wall. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. The Mm -hmm. kingdom of God looks like Jesus seeing systemic injustice in the temple, that he overturns the money tables because the Sadducees were in league with the Romans and they did a corrupt system that was keeping the Gentiles and the Jews from worshiping God. Jesus says, Mm -hmm. you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves instead of a house of prayer for all nations. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus telling Peter, one of his inner circle, get from behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus telling the little boy, hey, bring your little happy meal here, your little bread and your fish and watch me feed (laughs) 15,000. Yeah. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus being slandered and betrayed, but yet he goes to the cross. That's leadership. Mm. The kingdom of God looks like Jesus walking out of that tomb and holding every believer's hand and saying, it's a new day. So that's the kingdom of God. And then the bread of life. Uh, Jesus is the bread of life. And Jesus meets all of our needs financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. He'll meet our needs, but not our greeds. And our overabundance fits someone else's needs. So generosity even flows out of, out of that. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the lamb of God who breaks the power of sin. Jesus is the lamb of God who purifies us of sin, who cleanses us of sin, who says there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Jesus is the blood that allows us to have access to the father to become temples of the spirit. Jesus is the one who defeated Satan. Have you ever wondered when scripture says, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Well, we know in Hebrews six, God doesn't lie. God doesn't tempt us. So what's happening? Here's what's happening. Jesus, when he says those words, he's going back to when he was baptized, Matthew three seventeen. He's baptized and led into the wilderness, Matthew four, one through 11, where the devil tempts him with three ways. You are what you do. Turn this stone into bread. Mm-hmm. You are what other thinks, you know, throw yourself from the temple. You are what you have. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. That is the devil's game plan. Always Mm. right there. Yeah. You are what you do. So leaders, that's going to, that's what moves us to become toxic is when we think we're what we do. What makes us toxic, Mike, is when we think, well, what are people going to think about, about about me? So Mm -hmm. as a leader, the Lord's prayer not only shows us intimacy into me, into me, you see, you see the life of Jesus in the Lord's prayer, but also the Lord's prayer is God's will for our 
lives. Mm. And so my book, God, Do You Hear Me? Discovering the Prayer You Always Answer is actually taking us back to the Lord's Prayer. And our prayers move from being me centric to God centric. Mm. Well, let me let me ask you this. So, I mean, you paint this beautiful picture first of Jesus um, and who he is and the type of intimacy we can have with him. And I would say most of our listeners are Christians. Most of our listeners are Christian leaders. Most of our listeners, as you're talking, are depending on their cultural background, clapping, mm-hmm. saying amen, nodding their head or whatever. <laughs> but why do we as leaders struggle to prioritize prayer? Because we know yeah. we should do it. But I think a lot of leaders would say, maybe you've experienced this yourself. It, it, it's just not the priority I know it should be. Um, you know why? Either one, uh, life has not crushed us enough or we haven't learned how weak we truly are. Weak people pray to a strong God. Hmm. People who think they're strong don't pray to God. Or if they do, it's not in a sense of desperation. Hmm. Um, As American Christians, for the most part, you know, even if we're poor, we're wealthy compared to third world countries. Hmm. And so prayer is a posture of dependence and need. Um, what I what I tell our, our staff and what I tell myself is this. We should never get good at ministry because we'll get bad at prayer. Wow. We'll get bad at prayer the better we get at ministry because oh, I've preached this message before. I've led this way before. And so what happens is, is you develop a transactional relationship with the mm-hmm. living God of the universe instead of a transformational relationship. Hmm. So that's why I go back to before we're a leader, we're disciples of Jesus. A disciple is an apprentice. We are literally an apprentice of the greatest leader of all, the savior of mankind, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And he literally said, "Okay, I'm going to teach you to pray like you really want to learn to lead. Let my father's love soak you. You really want to learn to lead have eyes only for him. You really want to learn to lead? Pray this dangerous prayer. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. You pray that prayer, mm-hmm. God going to jack all your plans up. <laughs> I mean, just blow them up. I mean, he going he gonna to take it and just wad it up and just, ah, you don't want that, son. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, it's the evangelism like, linebacker coming out right yeah, there. I mean, God, <laughs> seriously, like, do you guys have kids? Yeah, I got one on the way. All right. Congratulations. How old are your kids, Mike? 10, 7 and 4. Okay, so you remember like when your kids were like really small and they'd be asking you for stuff they don't need, like candy that's not good for them. They still do that. Yeah. And then they're they're (laughs) all they're all upset about it and all this stuff. And it's like as their dad, you know, it's not good for them. Mm -hmm. There's so many prayers that we pray and our heavenly dad's like, son, that's not good for you. Mm. Precious one, that's not good for you. Mm. And. And so when we learn to trust God, your will be done. Mm. Watch out because he's going to start to expand your capacity in ways you never thought was possible. And as leaders, if God is calling you to, 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 if it's possible, is it really from God? Mm. Um, Now get the metaphor of what I'm saying. 
is we want to pray prayers and be in positions that God actually has to show up. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so this is how we lead out of a life saturated in prayer, not in our degrees and not in our ministry experience. Mm. God loves us too much to allow us not to be intimate with him. Yeah. You know, as we're talking about prayer and the life of, of the leader, would love to just hear maybe some ways, even in your own life, how prayer has impacted your leadership um, and how spending time with the father, just as you're talking about to be reminded of these things has impacted the way that you lead. And that's as, you know, as you're pastoring your church, but even also leading your family and leading the staff behind the scenes and all those types of things. Yeah. You know, um, I think the first thing is God in his providence allowed me to play football for some great coaches in high school and in college. And one of the things that we did in high school is our coach taught us how to visualize the game. He said, you know, see yourself making plays all throughout the week. So you, so you don't actually play the game on Friday night or Saturday or Sunday when you go to the NFL, you actually play the game in your mind before you actually play the game. And so when I became a Christian, I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why wouldn't I do this with prayer? Why wouldn't I think about God all day long? So it was really strange when I became a Christian and, I, and they were like, OK, you need to have a quiet time. And I'm like, OK, that sounds good. But what about the all day time? Because <laughs> like, doesn't John 15, 5 say to abide in Christ? So for me, um, we're made for prayer and prayer makes us. And so I don't even know how to calculate to not quote unquote pray. So let me give you some examples of my rhythms. Okay. Yeah. So in the morning, you know, in a shower, I'll, I'll start with the Lord's prayer verbatim at noon. I'll do the Lord's prayer at night. I'll do Psalm 23 from memory. Mm. And what I say is, you know, Lord, as I pray the Lord's prayer, may, may this be a reality in me, my wife, my family, Transformation Church, the church and the lost. And I'll say that for Psalm 23. But then throughout the day, I'm praying things like, Father, would you just show me the depth of your love in Christ? Holy Spirit, would you give me power to have allegiance to you and you alone to walk in the spirit? Lord, in the midst of this crisis, would you display your kingdom in me? And Lord, I got kids in college. I got bills to pay. Um, but you tell me, seek first your kingdom and all your righteousness, you'll provide what I need. So you are the bread of life. Mm. Lord, I'm stressed. Oh, bread of life, give me peace. Uh, Lord, thank you for forgiveness. I'm feeling self-condemnation. Uh, uh, thank you. There's no condemnation in Christ. And Lord, I'm really angry at this person who hurt me, who betrayed me, but I'm going to give them grace the way you gave me grace. And I don't mean I got to hang out with them, but I ain't going to let them <laughs> hang out in my mind. <laughs> Hold on. Let me say it again. I think y'all missed that. I don't have to hang out with them, but I'm not going to let them hang out in my mind. Mm -hmm. When we choose to be unforgiving, we're allowing people to hang out in our minds rent free. Mm -hmm. I got too much stuff to do that God wants me to do. And then, you know, Lord, the power of darkness is real, man. I am talking to so many pastors who are just under siege, mm -hmm. uh, broken staffs, 
People getting mad about masks and vaccinations. Are you Black Lives Matter? Are you pro-Trump? Are you Republican? Are you Democrat? Like the devil is busy, man. Mm. And so we have to walk in the power of Jesus who defeated sin, death and evil. Now, let me let me let me let me bring that from the ideal to the ground. What that means is this moment by moment. We're saying, Lord, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ who loves me. Nothing will separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, flesh, I'm not giving in to you. Dark powers, I'm not giving in to you because of Jesus. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so yeah. it's like this, it's like this rhythm, but it's also sometimes it's just silence. Sometimes it's just straight up silence. Have you ever been around someone who just talks all the time? <laughs> yep. well, I, I wonder if God is going, shut up. I got something <laughs> I want to say. Just listen for a minute. Mm. You know, as you're, as you're sharing all that there, when I'm just sitting there and there's so much scripture that is also coming into your prayers. And I, I mean, I think I, I appreciate that so much, but I think it's also, it's a key is that what you're praying is tethered to scripture. And, you know, I'm praying the Lord's prayer I'm praying Psalm 23 mm-hmm. and letting that guide your prayer. So really thank mm-hmm. you for that. And just a reminder for, you know, even as we pray to, to pray scripture and bring that into our prayers as well. So, yeah. And, 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 you know, Chandler, why would we not pray inspired words of God? Mm-hmm. This is one way that I know I'm praying God's will because I'm praying God's word. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what we're doing is really not praying. What we're doing is superstition to try to manipulate God to do what we want him to do as though he needs our help. Yeah, that's a word. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And, it's, yeah. and it's, one, it's one of these things is God is saying, I want to teach you to pray through the Lord's prayer to align you to my will not me to your puny will. Hmm. Hmm. Man, that's, that's so helpful to think, you know, even pleading, you know, if a situation in your life has just upended so many different things, you know, you're praying for absolutely pray for healing, pray for a miracle, but also to come to Psalm 23 and be reminded of who your father is, Mm -hmm. you know, not just asking, Mm -hmm. but being reminded that's, that's so helpful. Uh, Chandler made a good point about Mm -hmm. uh, praying scripture. And uh, obviously we want to pray prayers that are based on God's word. But as a preacher, you also stand every week to to proclaim God's word. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, uh, I'm pastor, preacher. We got preachers listening. How has your prayer life affected the way you prepare sermons? Oh, my gosh. That is, bruh. Um, A prayerless preacher is a powerless preacher. Mm. And don't mistake big crowds for big power. Wow. The, the, the greatest communicator in the 20th century besides Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was Adolf Hitler. Hmm. Adolf Hitler was a brilliant, remarkable communicator. I mean, how else do you get an entire country to do a Holocaust? you have persuasion in your communication. Mm. So gifting can draw a crowd, but it may not transform the crowd. And frankly, people may be drawn because you're not convicting them of sin. (laughs) You Mm. you know, like 
I've for years I've listened to people preach where like it's not even a Christian message. Like mm. if the redemptive work of Jesus is not the plumb line to everything, then it's not a Christian message. Mm -hmm. So prayer, prayer is the heartbeat that pumps the blood out of the message. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm constantly praying, asking number one, Lord, may I embody this sermon uh, I'm going to get very passionate here. I'm not going to get loud, but I'm going to get passionate. And I hope the preachers hear me. Do not, I repeat, do not look for content to preach. Look for content to live. Mm, wow. We live in a day and age where you can click a button and have access to some of the most brilliant communicators in the world and you can hijack their content with no intentions of living it. Mm. The prophet Ezra, Ezra 710, even before I knew I was going to be a preacher, this was my life verse. I paraphrase it, but it says this, Lord, I want to number one, know your word. Number two, obey your word. Number three, Teach your word. And I think Mike and Chandler, we have a generation where you can find the greatest preachers in a click of a button. You can listen to a podcast. You can do whatever. And you can get all this content with no desire to live it. Yeah. And when that happens, destruction follows. Mm -hmm. And destruction are human beings made in the image and likeness of God. We have too many people seeking platforms instead of a servant tile. Hmm. We have too many people like, am I a great preacher? How about being a humble disciple and God will take care of the rest? Now, is it important to hone your craft and those things? But woe unto me, Mike mm -hmm. and Ch Ch Chandler and those listening, woe unto me if the best thing I do is preach a sermon. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's similar to what you said about your staff. When you said you warn them, you know, if we get too good at ministry, we'll be bad at prayer. I've, I've looked at y'all stuff. I've looked at your website, your social media, your worship gatherings. Y'all do stuff at a top-notch level. Um, but that posture of dependence on God that expresses mm -hmm. itself in persistent prayer is huge. And that's so yeah. challenging to me as, as a preacher to when you said don't look for content to preach look for content to live and uh to prioritize prayer in my preaching i think sometimes if i'm honest even though i don't believe it in my head yeah my sermon preparation process uh almost betrays the reality that i really do think that i can fashion my words enough you know, or come up with enough illustrations or quote enough people to actually change a human heart uh, instead of me being driven to my knees, you know, in prayer. So that yeah, that was yeah. like, yeah, that yeah. was the word for me. Well, well, and, 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 you know, first Corinthians chapter three, verses six through nine. There's this rivalry. People are saying, I'm of Apollos. Apollos was this African from Alexander. He was eloquent in his speech. I'm of Paul. I'm of whoever. And Paul says this to the Corinthian church that was an absolute mess. He goes, <laughs> uh, some to the effect of, um, 
Apollo's planet, I watered, but God gave the increase. The one who plants and the one who waters is nothing but God who gives the increase. So even the gift we have is from God. The word is from God. The spirit is from God. The people belong to God. So what is there to be hype about, right? So in other words, it it, it moves us to worship and I, I don't want my best sermon to be on a stage. I want my best sermon as a life of disciple, the way I've loved my children, the way I love their mother. I want to be a man of integrity. I want people to say, wow, Derwin's yes is his yes and his no is his no. And who you see in front of you is who you see when he's not in front of you, that there's a deep well of integrity. And so let me add, add this. OK, so so so. Regardless of what you're leading, right? Um, the moment we say yes to Jesus, we are what's called regenerated or born again. And it means this. All that's true of Jesus is true of us. Hmm. That is so not fair. That's why it's called grace. So yeah. God, the father sees us positionally as though we are Jesus, that's what it means to be united to him. Practically, day to day, is we have these gaps. And for those of you who can't see, I'm putting my fingers together and there are gaps there. Those gaps are what's called sanctification. And in those gaps are desires that we think are better than Jesus. So somebody may, may, may think, man, if I do ministry and if I preach at whatever church, or if I get whatever book, if I get whatever podcast, if I get a mini downloads, then that gap will close. Listen, mm. don't use ministry to fill your gaps because mm. it won't. Only Jesus and the spirit can fill those gaps. Mm. Don't do ministry to heal. Do ministry out of God's healing. And so what happens to a lot of leaders, and I've been around for now, man, I have seen them drop like flies. I yeah. have seen it. What happens is you have all these gaps and you think that producing is going to close those gaps and those gaps get wider and wider. And then you begin to look for porn to fill those gaps. You begin to look for power to fill those gaps. You mm -hmm. begin to look for affairs to fill those gaps. And everything other than Jesus that you try to use to fill those gaps are sin, even the good things. Mm -hmm. A good thing is a God thing if it's not a Jesus thing. Mm -hmm. So my urgent plea to myself and to everyone listening and you guys as well is this. The God of the gaps is enough. Mm -hmm. Jesus is your enough. He's your enough. He's my enough. And he's good enough. Man, that is such a time of the word, especially with, as you were talking about, I know over the long haul of ministry that you, you were talking about, you're like, I've seen it. I've seen leaders fall left and right. I think this past season of COVID is even exposing the light on a lot of those gaps mm -hmm. where power is taken away. There's you're not preaching to this, the full room anymore. You're preaching to a camera <laughs> for a season. It's like, is there still, you know, success in that? And yeah. just being reminded that that needs to be rooted in your identity in Christ and just a helpful reminder. Well, well and it's not just for lead pastors. It's for other pastors who feel like, well, I know more than a lead pastor. 
And I'm going to take control. I'm going to take power. I cannot tell you how many pastors I'm talking to who are having staff issues. So many have been hurt. So many have been wounded in staff. And so it's not just the lead pastors, like it's all across the board. And so we have to be vigilant because the devil, like a like a prowling lion, is looking for people to devour. The good thing is we got a lamb who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So we don't have to walk in fear, but we have to walk intentionally with the spirit. Mm-hmm. Well, Derwin, I want to, you know, one thing I love about this podcast is we get to ask book recommendations and, you know, if you listen, you're going to fill your, your library with, with recommendations. And of course, if you're listening to this, you're going to want to check out God, do you hear me? Uh, but when you, when you write on a topic such as prayer, you're, you're reading about everything on the subject. Mm-hmm. So if you could, you know, cipher through all the books that you read, as you were writing your own book, what, what other resources uh, and books would you recommend? Like, Hey, here's the two or three books I wish I had as a young leader on prayer. Well, the book I did have starting in 1999 was called conform to his image by Ken Boa. And it walks through the 12 paradigms of spiritual formation. And that book is my go-to book. Hmm. Um, and it, it, it gives you a whole history of prayer from church fathers to medieval period to modern day. And Ken Boa is, he's a philosopher and a theologian. And so he's very cogent and clear, but conform to his image is my go-to resource for everything. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, Derwin, man, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and diving deeper into the topic of prayer. And thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. And if it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. And hey, shoot us a DM on Instagram. We'd love to hear, hey, what topics you want us to to talk about. We'd love to do some more of these focused on certain topics with maybe it's a repeat guest. Maybe it's somebody that we haven't had on before. But shoot us a message and we'd love to hear from you. And make sure to pick up a copy of God, Do You Hear Me? by Pastor Derwin. See you next week. Peace.